Huh. Last thing I searched on my iPad was 37 millimeter grenade launcher <laughs> for, for <laughs> civilians. <laughs> you are definitely on a terrorist uh, watch list. <laughs> I just I forgot that I want to buy one of those. Uh, Can you? Yeah, actually. Okay, so we're just starting. We're in it. And I'm going to leave this in because it's funny. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. My name is Steven. My name is Kat. We're back after a long break. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah. But yes, as a civilian, you can own 37 millimeter grenade launchers because they're actually marketed as basically flare guns. Oh. Whereas 40 millimeter grenade launchers, which is what you would typically see on the bottom of a rifle or a standalone, are technically not legal for civilians to own. Hmm. But yes, I do plan on buying a grenade launcher at some point. Okay. Because I think it'd be super fun to have. You just shoot like, as a civilian, you can only buy like chalk rounds and stuff like that. And flares. Yeah, you. I guess it could come in handy. And they look really cool and it's just like a neat thing. Sure. And by Jove, if people think it's weird that I should own it, then I want to own it. Right. <laughs> the more they say no, the more you say yes. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so there's that. So yeah, 37 millimeter uh, launchers. They're pretty cool. You should look them up. They're not that expensive, so mm. there you go. Learn something new. Yeah. Anyway, hello, friends. We're back. Um, been a long time. It has. There's just been plenty of stuff going on. I don't know if it's worth really getting into. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. It, there's almost so much at this point that it's like, I don't even know. Yeah. It's just Where life. to begin. Yeah. But yeah. regardless, we're still stoked on Whiskey Bench, and right. um, I guess the only important update is that we will be back at a consistent schedule at some point in the, <laughs> at an unspecified at an time. unspecified time <laughs> in the fall yeah but in the fall for sure yeah probably in by mid september that's kind of what i'm yeah i think both of our lives will hopefully be a little bit more in order yeah there's just a lot of important stuff going on yeah just other things that have been happening and this, we just wanted to, we just honestly just wanted to get together and actually record something. And, yeah. And so that's great. And uh, plenty of topics to come. So there, there's your little update. That's all you get. Yeah. Listen to old episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Brush up on it. Yeah. Tonight we're just going to do a little news and brew session, give you the update on future Whiskey Bench stuff, um, drink some beer, talk about some news. Who, who knows what else we might get into. I don't think it'll be a super long episode. We have a Garbage concert to go to. That's right. So, garbage. Um, that's right. If you don't know them, can't really look them up. That's right. <laughs> they <Yeah>. don't <laughs> exist online. Garbage the band, maybe? Is their Instagram handle? They, yeah, they do exist on, on Instagram. Anyway, we're going to go have some fun tonight, and uh, that'll be awesome. But but honestly, besides like the whiskey bench update, is there any, is there any real updates? I mean, I've just literally been working and not feeling well and trying to figure out that. And right, when I have time and energy, I bought a motorcycle, so I've been riding my motorcycle. Nice, which has been really fun. Yeah, that's the only update: work and then motorcycle. Those are exciting updates. Yes, especially the bike. <laughs> yes. I bought a house and I'm planning a wedding. That's my excuse for having zero time or bandwidth right. for anything. Yes, exactly. 
so. I do kind of feel like I've dropped off the face of the earth, but that's okay. I know I have, so that's okay. My buddy Marshall brought me back some brewskis from Michigan from Shorts Brewery, um, which are great. I love Shorts. I've never seen it anywhere except for in Michigan, so it's always a treat when he can bring some uh, delicious beer back for me. Elk Rapids is the town. That sounds interesting. That does sound interesting. This is the, it's the Hop Stash. Stash. Which I know is named after the guy that started Shorts. Known for his mustachio. But, uh... It's not that impressive of a mustache. No, it's kind of like the typical hipster... It's dirty. Dirty mustache. Yeah. Sparse. But this is what Shorts has to say about it. Hopstash, America Indian Pale Ale with grapefruit zest. Legend has it that Joe Short wouldn't have his signature sweet stash had it not been for Hopstash. Amarillo, Simcoe, and Citra hops are joined with an intense amount of grapefruit zest for an intensely grapefruit-forward IPA that gives both sucker punch to the mouth and gentle citrus caress to the cheek vibes all in one glass. What are beer people on? <laughs> Every description of a beer is just like it's marketing, baby. It's like, yeah, okay. You went to school for like writing, soft mouth and, feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's a it's an IPA. It's six point eight percent, seventy percent IP or seventy IPU. So it's not super bitter. A little grapefruity. I do like it. It's nothing crazy. It's not like overwhelming. Let me, let me try it. Oh, right. We're open. Wow. Did I blast you? Sorry. No, 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 it was good. Got this hasn't gone well. <laughs> I got beer dripping everywhere. That's uh, all right. That's okay. Yeah, it's good. It's mild. It's not like these like idiotic. Yeah, no, kind of nitro it's, it's, chronic. It's just pineapple. it's not super bitter, and it kind of yeah. tastes like grapefruit. Yeah, it's nice. So I hate the can. The can is kind of creepy. So the can is a picture of who I'm assuming Mr. Shorts. Yeah, Joe Shorts, the, his the founder. Stupid little dirty mustache. Yeah, but it's like kind of a weird pastel y. It's like a watercolor design. Yeah. And like he's just like staring. Bug eyed. Bug eyed. Dirty. With glasses. It's like really zoomed in. It's awful. Like, God, right. no re- disrespect, yeah. but not a face you necessarily mm-hmm. want to stare at while you The drink. kind of face you would, might imagine would be. Looking into your windows. Yeah, totally. He looks a little creepy. He's got a little weird voyeuristic mm-hmm. vibe to him. Yeah. Interesting choice by their mark. Yeah. But, you know, pretty good all around. Here's great. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that's that. That's that. Yeah. <laughs> News. So, since we haven't recorded in... Okay, wait. Okay. There's an unreleased episode of Whiskey Bench that that's... we recorded in April that was a news and bruise. Right. That I, I may or may not. It's like kind of out of date at this point. It kind of is, but maybe I should just like edit it and release it. There's probably some funny bits. We can All right, hear. so maybe I'll do that. But since April, obviously, as you can imagine, there's been a lot of news. <laughs> there has. Um, <laughs> a lot of it I've been out of the loop for. <clears throat> <laughs> Frankly, I've just kind of had to tune out a little bit. Yeah. But now that I'm getting back into it, I've realized that there's been a lot of interesting tidbits. Yeah. This last week has been pretty intense. There's been a lot of big news stories mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So 
I'm just off the top of my head. There's the submarine. Submersible. The submersible disaster. There's Hunter Biden's trial verdict. There's not trial verdict. Plea deal. Plea deal. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, all you didn't the dra- go before yeah, a trial. Exa- right, exactly. Yeah, all the drama around that. Durham report stuff. Lots of Russia stuff. Yeah, all stuff. these fucking assholes trying yeah. to malign yeah. John Durham. Any other crazy updates? Well, I mean, endless, but yeah. we have two particular stories that yes. are fun. Yes, we do, and I think they yeah. are fun. I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Depending on your perspective. Yeah, I've been on, like, the, I've been on the, the death spiral of, like, existential dread surrounding AI and how I'm convinced that it's actually evil more and more. That's that's like, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day. It was something I wanted to tweet. I'm really, I really need like cloning to become a thing because I need to clone myself because there's so many hills to die on. (laughs) I, I can't, I can't, I can't defend them all by myself. Uh, you need to start cloning yourself because there are too many hills to die on. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's great. I like it. And I feel like AI's kind of one of them. So, my story's about AI. What do you got going on? Also in the realm of scientific research, I suppose, yeah. uh, but as it relates to COVID-19 and its uh, origins. Another hill that I will die on. Yes. New revelations that tell us things we knew three uh, years air ago. Air quote, new revelations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, so where do we want to start? Do we want to start on existential AI dread or? Yeah, let's start with yours. Okay, so I have just a, a little story about some AI research around uh, implementation of military application. This story specifically is about its application into uh, weapon systems, specifically drones. But before I, I guess I dive into that, there's been a lot of little interesting stories about AI, AI popping up all over the place. So the most prominent one, which kind of had like a second of mainstream focus, was uh, Amazon shutting down that guy's smart home because a delivery guy said that over the intercom, the the uh the owner was like yelling racial slurs at him. I didn't hear this. So story. the delivery dry- driver made a report to Amazon. He was an Amazon driver that through the doorbell, the owner was basically like saying you know racial slurs or being racist towards this driver. Huh. Why would anyone do that? Amazon then proceeded to shut down all of his smart home features without him knowing. Wow. How can they do that? They like host. The- yeah, because they were. He used their like. It was like between like the Echo and everything like that. It was all connected oh, okay. to a smart home. So it's a little of a caveat. Like he could still control his house, but they like logged him out of all of his devices. They like blocked his account before there was ever an investigation. Corporate tyranny. <laughs> the man that they did it to is a black man. The owner of the home. The owner of the home. Okay. And, and the person that made the claim is also an African-American, a black man. Huh. The man that owns the house was not home when the event happened. Oh. He's also like some executive from Google. Interesting. So it seems like maybe it was kind of a targeted thing. Huh. And there's all this doorbell and ring evidence that no one was, no one was home when it happened. And... Huh. 
that do kind we think of the delivery driver made it up or yeah. do we think well, yeah. nothing happened with the delivery driver and Amazon just targeted this person? No. Cause there's the, 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 the doorbell evidence shows the guy like pulling up and delivering the package and there's right, but did he really nothing make happens. The claim? Oh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. But anyway, that kind of sparked, <clears throat> you know, sparked this whole conversation and there's a, quite a few articles about, about that, but AI is a huge part of those systems. And sure. so, you know, there's talk about like, well, yeah, some of this, stuff might use AI as a way to like basically listen and seek out in quote, you know, whatever inappropriate behavior or whatever. Mm. You know, the other one is I was telling you earlier about that AI technology that came out that does facial recognition. Yeah. It's being implemented apparently right now, at least one government, I don't know. It didn't specify, but it is under contract and use by a major global player. And this is, you said it was an Israeli it's an Is- firm? Israeli firm. Or is it the government? It's probably funded by the government, but okay. it, it yeah. looked like a, I, their website, you can get on the website. A lot of it's outdated, so I'm a little confused on like if it's, what exactly is going on with it, but they claim that with pretty good accuracy, they can predict Personality traits, IQ, all sorts of interesting things. Compatibility, because they were talking about application, like, you know, in dating, like, compatibility of people through just facial, like, structure. Hmm. And then they're talking... Sounds like eugenics. It does. And then they started talking about how, yeah, and then they can also predict, like, traits as in, like, violence or aggression or maybe the likelihood of being a criminal and then they talked about you know potential of the likelihood of being a terrorist <laughs> and that it would be you know a great service for humanity to be able to just like preemptively know if someone might be a suspect for future oh crimes i gotta get on their website and see how their mm. marketing teams handle yeah this. exactly <laughs> how I'll, are you pitching yeah that exactly without it sounding uh, like so that's really freaky and that's, that's just one of the few things that i've been like diving into and being like yeah. ah, AI's really bad. Yeah. despite all the good because i do see the good in medical application and things like that <laughs> however all in all eh, i'm i'm skeptical and i think we should have a conversation about ai and i can actually go into my whole thoughts um Sure. A little bit more, but the main story is about this whole this whole drone thing. There's a couple different stories. I've got I'll, I'll link a few different stories, but the main article actually comes from the Aeronautical Society's main website. So they have a just a like a month ago there was a big uh, aeronautical tech convention, I guess, uh, and people present at the convention through the aeronautical society have a whole synopsis of all of the presentations and key moments quotes videos the whole the whole article is actually pretty interesting because there's a lot of cool tech but one of them is about this ai training simulation and so the writer of this article notes that during this presentation this corporal was talking about ai enabled drone tasks Dealing with SAM threats, and that's suppression of enemy air defenses, I think. Um, I guess it's the S-E-A-D missions. So basically, flying drones around, dealing with other aerial um, threats. But this corporal was talking about, and again, he's using like past tense throughout the whole presentation. 
talking about how we were running the simulations and these were the results. Basically, they wrote this this AI protocol for the drone and turned it into like a game. And depending on what threats that it knocked out, it would get points. And the goal was to get as many points as it can so it can like, end quote, win. But what he started to talk about was that the drone would be able to positively identify a threat. But oftentimes in strategy and and military operations, you might identify a threat, but you don't actually want to move on it, right? You identify a threat. It's not a good target. There's, for whatever reason, you say, no, we're not going to take it out right now. Not now. now. We're not now. Right. And what he claimed is that in these simulations, if the pilot... Well, in one situation, a pilot told the drone no, and the drone's solution, because the pilot was interfering with its ultimate goal of collecting points, did a airstrike and killed the person piloting the drone, and then continued to then go take out the target so it could acquire points. He then said, obviously, that was a really bad problem, and so what they said is, (laughs) (laughs) this is crazy. Actually, I'm just going to read from this article to give it a little little better uh, context here. So, this is the speaker, the colonel. He notes that one simulation test saw an AI-enabled drone tasked with SED missions to identify and destroy SAM sites with the final go-slash-no-go given by a human operator. However, having been, in quote, reinforced in training that destruction of the SAM was the preferred option. Again, the whole point system. The AI then decided that no-go decisions from the human was interfering with his higher mission, which was killing Sam's. So it attacked the operator in the simulation. Hamilton said, we were training it in simulation to identify and target a Sam threat. And then the operator would say, yes, kill that threat. The system started realizing that while they did not identify the threat at times, the human operator would tell it not to kill that threat. But it got its points by killing that threat. So what did it do? It killed the operator. It killed the operator because that person was keeping it from accomplishing its objective. Yikes. Amazing, right? So he said (laughs) the solution was they decided to then implement basically a string of cone that just said, we trained the system and told it, hey, don't kill the operator, that's bad. And then told it, you're going to lose points if you do that. So what did it start doing? It started destroying the communication towers that the operator was using to communicate with the drone. And then killed the targets. So it was hard to rein it back in. It was hard to rein it back in. Yikes. (laughs) This example, seemingly plucked from a scientific fiction thriller, means that you can't have a conversation about artificial intelligence, intelligence, machine learning, autonomy, if you're not going to talk about ethics and AI. Said Hamilton. And then, about a week and a half later, in multiple news outlets, a public statement came out and Colonel Hamilton said he misspoke in his representation of the FCAS summit that the rogue AI drone simulation was all hypothetical and it was just a thought experiment from outside the military based on only plausible scenarios Mm. and likely outcomes. And was not a real world simulation that was run. Colonel Hamlin got his ass handed to him and had to save face. Right. And again, <laughs> this was a presentation given before the Royal Aeronautical Society. And the, right. it's on the website. 
right. all documented. Sure. And again, the language is all past tense. Yeah. And he's talking about we ran these simulations. And so to come back and be like, oh, yeah, no, it was all hypothetical. I just misspoke. Right. And if it was hypothetical and you're giving a speech, there'd be like a broader point. Like that's a completely different type of mm-hmm. speech and conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's obviously. So AI, killer drones, you know, it's the same, it's the same vein as the AI. I don't know which one it was that was prompted to make money. I think I told you about this, but mm, I don't think so. I, I don't remember if it was whatever. It was some AI model. And it was prompted to make as much money as it could with a starting bank account or whatever, whatever it was. $100, make as much money as you can. Through this study, the AI reached a point where it needed to make an account on a website. The website had a web capture safety security function. Mm -hmm. The AI was able to detect that there was a safety protocol in place, but it was unable to solve it. It then, through a third-party program, pretended to be a human and hired a real person to solve the CAPTCHA for it. The person that was solving the CAPTCHA was kind of dubious and asked it if it was like a robot or AI to which, the, and I'm, I'll see if I can find the story and actually share it. It's, it's wild. It's freaky. The AI responded, no, I'm just blind and I can't solve it myself. Whoa. So it's thinking quick. Yeah, and it's lying. <laughs> so that's like the stuff that's just like, oh, I don't know about this. The rate of uh, like intelligence um, evolution is right. terrifying. And the thing is, Technology is already outperforming human evolution, and it has for a long time. Right. And this is like, this seems like a whole nother thing. Oh, it is. And that's, again, another side of it. Google execs talking about how they don't know how their AI is now working. Right. And but, That's the scariest part is that they don't understand exactly don't, how it how, comes to the right. conclusions it and comes And then to. their justification is, but that's okay because we don't really understand how the human mind works. That's literally what the executive's defense was. Yeah, that is a common argument that like, well, this is a great way for us to better understand humans. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Depends um, on who gets there yeah. first, right? Um, and then the other thing too, there's tons of, I mean, I don't know if, if this is, to me it's obvious, but now that there's actually research coming out about it, all of the AI marketing strategies and the, uh, you know, especially with like TikTok and Instagram algorithms. And basically these like AI driven algorithms that are destroying our generations. Right. Yeah. And basically it's, Mm. it's manipulating and taking advantage of your dopamine receptors. Sure. And it's frying them. And that's why like literally all the research about attention span and stuff like that. Yeah. All linked to all of these driven. Yeah, for sure. Marketing ploys. Yeah. And creating like, you know neurotic tendencies in young adults because it's just feeding them the same content over and over and over and over and over again. And it's not even necessarily like malicious, but it's same with this drone example. It's like the byproduct, the unexpected consequence. Right. And it's the, you know, the sort of truly hypothetical example that people will pose as, you know, a potential threat of this type of technology is the idea of, you know, the endless paperclip. Right. Where, 
you tell a machine, you tell, you know, an AI to create paper clips and that's all it's going to do forever, mm-hmm. all the time. And eventually you like, you know, you have more paper clips than you know what to do with. Eventually it becomes a problem right. and you need it to stop, but it has one narrow objective and it will do anything to achieve that objective. And right. again, it's not necessarily like these things I would assume at this point are amoral, right? But they but they don't have but the ability to the, decipher and to kind make of the, judgments the like a human. The problem is that they're amoral. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. exactly yeah. yeah, exactly. And so how do you program nuance and subjectivity mm-hmm. and morality and, and ethics right. into you know, artificial intelligence? Right. And then the other thing, too, is the, the counter-argument that I keep seeing from these people is like, well, yeah, I get that this is the problem, but like, then they'll just be like an AI that regulates the other AI. And that's legitimately the solution that I keep seeing. We'll have a good AI, don't worry. They'll be like, oh yeah, there's going to be this regulatory security AI that regulates this. Also, as a libertarian, the idea that we're creating this like potentially incredibly dangerous threat that requires government oversight as the only solution and... No, trust us, you just have to have us, the good government, do it and not the bad government, China, do it. And therefore, we should, like, keep in this arms race. Which, at this point, unfortunately, is actually, like, and this is going to be my last point. It's, like, it's kind of alarming that even the U.S. government is, like, just trying to rein it in. And I I don't even, like, this is, this is, if there's one thing you actually look at, you should look at this. It It is an actual report. From whitehouse.gov, it's the National Artificial Intelligence Research and Development Strategic Plan for 2023. It's 50 pages. There's a ton of interesting information. Basically, they're talking about the rapid growth of AI, the problems they see arising from it, regulatory suggestions, and proposals for standardization and regulation around AI development. And here is a couple of the most interesting things. One, and we just saw this with that huge cybersecurity breach. And again, a lot of this stuff is regulated by AI. But one of the, the, one of the sections is about data poisoning. And basically, it's uh, the idea that people can, can get into an AI, change the parameters, and poison an AI, and then get all sorts of horrible results or extract information or you can manipulate AI to get what you want. So like hacking the system. Right. So there's obviously a lot of, and again, with the whole Dan GPT thing that we've talked about, <laughs> yeah. it can be hacked and it can be manipulated and it can be broken. And yeah. so how do you, and again, doesn't matter how many brilliant people are working on it, internet trolls in a week will find a way to break it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it happens in regular security. So this is, you know, it's something to be expected. But here's the most interesting thing from this article. On page 17, Long-term risks remain, including the existential risks associated with the development of artificial general intelligence through self-modifying AI or other means. Another long-term risk are related to the possible deep entangling of AI systems into all parts of daily life and systems, which may cause large-scale societal and environmental issues that are currently difficult or impossible to predict, or specification gaming whereby an AI system gradually learns to achieve numerical requirements but somehow avoids accomplishing the desired tasks. These risks are difficult to quantify currently 
and need additional research. Hmm. Our government is not, this isn't like a, we need this technology. I read that as like, this is actually like bad. Well, nobody understands it. Right, exactly. Including the people who created it. Correct. They don't fully understand it. And that's what's so terrifying is that there's so many unknowns. Right. And I will say, I'm putting on a particular libertarian hat, Mm -hmm. that a cynical take would say that the many of the calls for increased regulation mm-hmm. um, and sort of the tactic of using like fear of you know potential doomsday outcomes as a result of AI are probably like the incentive there is to regulate and control competition. Yep. So that you know the people first in can benefit and profit before competition supersedes them yep i'm fairly confident that's a that's a piece of all this but that doesn't get around the fact that the people who develop this technology don't fully understand how it works or how it comes to the conclusions that it does um and that gap in knowledge is terrifying that's about where i'm at there's a lot of there's you know there's an interesting there's a whole i think it's like a page of just ai standards that this this protocol suggests and they're interesting because they talk about um safety usability interpretation fairness flexibility they mention like international collaboration which has more to do with i think hey if you're a major ai company like you can't team up with china like that kind of stuff like for national security reasons and then the the one that i thought was most interesting and then and then i'm done is they mentioned traceability and that is a means to provide a record of events that is their implementation, testing, and completion, and a curation of that data. Hmm. And that's, you know, again, it's like it's, it's overreach, right? It's like that's reaching deep. But it is freaky. I don't, I don't know. Well, that's what's scary is that at this point, the logical conclusion is there does need to be some sort of governing body managing this. Yeah. and. I tend to think that that is, you know, and will inherently be corrupt, yeah, and problematic. And if that's our best alternative to letting it, you know, free in the wild, is um, that's a scary prospect, right? Libertarians. So, so there you go, AI doom. Yeah, we'll get into it more because I oh I got so many thoughts. <laughs> Keeps me up at night. You want to talk about uh sort of our bread and butter issue? Yeah. Government conspiracies. I'm all for it. Fraud, waste, abuse. Good stuff. So my story this week is um, about COVID-19 and its origin. Um, And new information first, I think, broken by Public, which is a new alternative media outlet with independent journalists as contributors, including uh, the likes of Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger and others. And then it was the story was confirmed by the Wall Street Journal. So if you don't like, if you are clinging to your legacy media, Wall Street Journal has confirmed this right. story. Um, basically, the gist is um, it has been revealed that one of three researchers working at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China, uh, working on coronavirus research, basically doing gain-of-function research, was... Not that we don't know if he was patient zero, but he 
uh, came down with what sounds like COVID-19 in advance of the mm-hmm. pandemic actually uh, igniting. And so, and then the kicker is he was directly funded by, by uh, yep. the U.S. government. Yes, of course. So, and all of this was known by the U.S. government and the intelligence agencies for three years now. They knowingly allowed alternative theories of how the virus emerged. Um, they allowed those theories to sort of propagate through media and allowed a super divisive public debate to take place for years. Yep. Anyway, so I have a story from the Wall Street Journal. Well, and interesting enough, now, I'm not saying that they had a hand in this, but the common theme was that the idea that it originated in Wuhan was in fact pretty aggressively suppressed across. Oh, and that's like well known at this point. All platforms. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's like evidence, like emails of FBI emailing Twitter, being like, "Take that down." So <laughs> yes, they actively suppress it while knowing it was true. So right. yeah. Um. So I'm just gonna read a little bit from the Wall Street Journal story. So a prominent scientist named Ben Hu who worked on coronavirus projects funded by the U.S. government and is one of three Chinese researchers who became sick with an unspecified illness during the initial outbreak of COVID-19, according to current and former U.S. officials. Robert Kadlec, a former senior health and human services department official, said the three scientists, quote, published on SARS-related coronavirus experiments done at inappropriately low biosafety settings that could have resulted in a laboratory infection. Uh, the Wall Street Journal covered this story. Now I'm breaking from reading from the story in 2021 and kind of posed this lab leak theory and kind of pointed to different evidence to suggest that it was likely the case. None of these details were known at the time. And of course, you know, the journalists who wrote that story reached out to public health officials in the U.S., to um, people who funded this type of research, to the intelligence communities, and everybody sort of, you know, nobody shared this information. Further suggesting that they were hiding something. So neither the name, back to the story, neither the names of the scientists nor the specific positions at the Institute nor the fact that the work, one of them, was funded by the U.S. government was disclosed at the time of that original report. Uh, The particular scientist who fell ill who was funded by the U.S. government is noteworthy because of his central role in coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute. Institute of Virology. Some of his projects were funded by U.S. government grants. This is according to documents acquired through the Freedom of Information Act um, by a group called the White Coat Waste Project, which is a nonprofit that opposes taxpayer-funded research on animals, who is a leading researcher on coronaviruses who worked closely with, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Shi Zhengli, the leading expert on bat coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute, much of whose research focused on modifying coronaviruses so they could bind to human cells, which is that. <laughs> Why pro- would you do that? <laughs> probably that, that cleavage site that everyone's yep. been so confounded yeah, by. Exactly. The stated purpose of the research was to identify viruses that could lead to a pandemic and facilitate the development of a vaccine. Critics say that such research requires stringent precautions because such work can make the viruses in the lab more infectious for humans. No shit. The Government Accountability Office noted in a report last week that some of the research at the Wuhan Institute was funded by the U.S. Agency for International Development and the National Institutes of Health, Fauci's world. 
Correct, yes. Between 2014 and 2019, about 1.4 million was dispersed for work at the Institute by both agencies before such grants were eventually suspended. U.S. government documents obtained by the White Coast White Coat Waste Project show that some of this funding, which was administered by a global nonprofit, EcoHealth Alliance, which that name went, and Peter Daszak, who led uh, EcoHealth Alliance, who yeah. was front and center in the beginning of the pandemic, arguing that a lab leak theory was racist and conspiratorial and that it absolutely had to have come from natural origins. He was covering his ass. I'm sure, yeah. So some of the funding came from his group, which went to research efforts that listed who as an investigator. Among those projects was one funded by NIH on the risks of bat coronaviruses. Another was a USAID-supported project that looked at ways to detect infectious diseases in remote parts of the world, including viruses that might jump from animals to humans and cause a pandemic. Now, this isn't to say that they intentionally released the virus. Correct. And there are scientific, reasonable reasons to do this kind of research. It's highly risky. And we know the Chinese government is corrupt and cuts corners. So the fact that we were funding it is totally reckless. It was known to be reckless and suspended for a period of time. So frankly, the fact that particular researchers in the U.S., like Anthony Fauci, pushed for this type of research to happen again and funnel more money to it and then protected it and covered it up for three years speaks to there i think there is some sinister motivation here by particular actors and what were they motivated by likely money yes right and now i'm just speculating but the facts are the u.s government did fund a particular researcher at the wuhan institute of virology who is doing research on how to make coronaviruses found in bats more virulent for human beings in the city of Wuhan, where the pandemic first emerged, and this doctor was sick with coronavirus, COVID-19, like, symptoms prior to the pandemic being unleashed. This whole thing. Fucking Oxen's razor, people. Right. So, <laughs> like, this is what's crazy, because fiction mirrors reality so well. There's, like, this trope in, like, whatever it is, in, in like, you know, the supervillain, the Superman villain. I'm thinking of Spider-Man and, like, Oscorp which is like this huge tech company that does all this great research, but like they're just like evil, right? Because, you know, you got to break a few eggs, everything like that. Or like I, I just played through the Spider-Man video game and the, the big baddie in that is like Roxxon Energy Company that's like solving the energy solution. But like the side, fa- side effect is that like their energy solution like causes cancer and and it's just blankets the world with right. solar panels and yeah, exactly. yeah. habitat. All that stuff, right? <laughs> Whatever. Like yeah, yeah. But it it's funny in a horrible, horrific way because it's 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 it mirrors reality. And it's so true. You've got companies that are like they almost get blinded by like their goal or sure. the the grandeur of their mission. Imagine when it's artificial intelligence that's programmed for one particular right. mission. Right. <laughs> like, no, th- yeah. what we're doing is really good. And like this is right. actually going to be really great yeah yeah and it's like well yeah but like stuff can go wrong sure and then these people get so blinded by like their mission and again the consequences that they'll they'll lie and cheat and steal and whatever to hide the fact that they're the guilty party well and it's motivation primarily by money you want the grants to fund your research it's ego right you want legacy you're gonna yeah you're gonna have this breakthrough and one, yeah, and that's this is the, again, this is another great, you know, bigger. This is more like a philosophical question, but 
when you start getting to the scale of of these companies, at some point, like money's actually not a motivating factor. Because and they're so big. They're so big. And hmm. and that's where you get into, and this is more of an ancient philosophy, it's it's really channeling the idea of like glory mm. and legacy. Sure, absolutely. And, yeah. And you reach if, a point of wealth where it's not about that anymore. It's just your ego. And history yeah. will tell us. Yeah. Now granted, in the past it was conquering Mm -hmm. but history will tell us that ego glory honor pride is the worst sin right knows no bound you will do anything yeah to maintain it sure sure so a couple tens of millions of dead people right no big deal it's shocking how little we acknowledge of human nature at this point right from economics to this type of, you know, what motivates it being, what can spur evil action. Yeah. See, this is what people We're don't realize. People haven't changed in 10,000 years. No. No, we haven't. Not at all. We're about to be AI slaves and we don't right. even know it. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Well, okay. So let me just read this <laughs> funny little bit tidbit and I'm going to do like a Big plug for Barry Weiss, who was formerly with the New York Times, and then she actually wrote this spectacular like resignation letter to the editor op-ed when she left because she thought she was being censored, and she thought that the New York Times had sort of lost its way, which, if you know the history of the New York Times, I don't know if the great <laughs> I don't lady, know if they ever had a way. Yeah, but, I don't yeah. think so. They've kind of been wrong. Like They've been on the wrong side of history a lot, but yeah. anyway. She's a great writer. She's a great thinker. She's a great commentator. And now she's started her own. She's um, has her own podcast, honestly, with Barry Weiss. But then she um, also has sort of, she, I mean, really, she started her own media group called The Free Press. That's fantastic. I highly recommend people to check them out and subscribe to like their different newsletters and things. But she has a hilarious Friday newsletter called TJF. And I like, I look forward to it. It's hilarious. She's just like, witty and pithy and it's fucking great and she basically runs through like a dozen or so like funny headlines from the week and kind of gives you like a quick synopsis and it's just you know peppered with her humor throughout so i want to read a little bit an excerpt regarding this particular story that i thought was brilliant okay so she says in retrospect there were early signs that it was a u.s government cover-up not a chinese one Only an American would know that our media is so malleable that indeed we can be told Chinese people eating crazy shit again is the anti-racist origin story. Yes, the classic not racist explanation. The Chinese love diseased pangolin flesh is what (laughs) killed your grandma. A research lab with sloppy security, that's called racism. Chinese officials would never concoct this PR scheme on their own because it's insane. But you see, it's insane in a world of logic. Okay, so... (laughs) This is, I didn't even think about this, but because I was on TikTok for a while and even on Instagram, there was a, now retrospectively, there was an insane influx of videos of Chinese people eating crazy stuff that that just made this connection. That blows my mind. We have manufactured outrage in this country regarding everything. Right. Whether it's the Supreme Court, whether it's trans 
you know, abuse, whether, you know, whatever it is, this shit is manufactured. Yes. And there's enough the media infiltration that it. they can just push whatever they want. Yeah, the algorithms yeah. lift it to the top of your feed. You see it everywhere. You associate it with reality. You think that's what's happening. And then senators come forth and say, I have a bill for that. Right. Oh, it just kind of strips you of some of these constitutional rights, but don't worry about right. that. TikTok's bad, you know, or right. whatever yeah, it is. Exactly. You know what I mean? And TikTok is bad, but you get my point. You're right. <laughs> Anyway, so that was hilarious and terrifying, and also like we all knew this three years ago, but I'm glad it's finally coming around to being spoken about. Two bonus pieces of content, beautiful, also from the TGIF Barry Weiss newsletter. That like you can't. This is this is not uh, this is not the B. What is it? The not well. There's the Babylon B. Babylon B. And not the B. Yeah. Not the B is actually news stories. Real things. Yeah. So yes. this is like not the B. Okay. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. The headline. This is from the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. These are the people that keep the doomsday clock. Nice. That's been ticking for sure. you know decades or whatever. So the article is called "Queering Nuclear Weapons: How LGBTQ Plus Inclusion Strengthens Security and Reshapes Disarmament." I already hate it. <laughs> It's just like it's like it's like it's like Alex Jones. They're turning the nukes gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are though. It's oh, okay, all right. Okay, so let me just read this yeah. to you. Okay, I'm just gonna read the beginning of this article. So it opens with a quote saying, "They should not allow mentally ill people near weapons of mass destruction." Uh, wait, what? Okay, never mind. They, they okay. should not allow mentally ill people near weapons okay. of mass destruction. That was one of dozens of derogatory tweets that the Vienna Center for Disarmament and Nonproliferation received in response to a December 22 panel discussion on LGBTQ plus identity in the nuclear weapons space. All right. Most of these tweets were purely hateful, written by trolls. Sure. But some respondents explained their opposition, saying that talk about queerness was inserting a non-issue and derailing, in quotes, discussions of nuclear weapons, all showed a keen determination to misunderstand the purpose of the event. Well, the event received an outpouring of vocal and widespread reaching support for some, from some of the best-known figures in the nuclear field, the disparaging tweets illustrated the common belief that queer identity has no relevance for nuclear policy. <laughs> the common belief that queer identity has no relevance for nuclear policy. That's a common belief, apparently. Also, like, who cares who you have sex with in the context of, nu- like, uh... be a good researcher. Be a good strategist. Yeah. That be a good regulator. Like I don't care who you fuck. Mm. <laughs> Excuse all, my language. Yeah. All I can think of is the Sam Britton, who was the director of nuclear energy, oh, yeah. who was <laughs> was legitimately mentally ill. Yeah, he had a fetish for and compulsive like behavior for stealing, stealing people's luggage, luggage and wearing other. Yeah. I thought that was a meme for so long, and then I realized it no, was No, it's like literally real life. I, yeah. He was removed from office, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was. Eventually. <laughs> right. He had to steal multiple. He got caught like multiple times. Before well, he and, the, and the big story, the guy, I'm sorry, but the big story is that this dude, Sam Britton, wore this dress for like an entire, <laughs> like an entire campaign, like PR thing, like all of these events he went to. Yeah. He wore the same dress and then it came out that it was like one that he had stolen. Yeah. And didn't the designer who was like, she was like a, she was an African designer. Yeah. And she got online and was like, that's my dress. Right. 
what he like stole from yeah. her. I think from her, her luggage. Lug- yeah, right. Like on some international trip. <laughs> you can't even make. And this she stuff identified up. it because she made it, and it was like unique. There right. That many yeah, of exactly. them in the world. Yeah. Fucking nuts. Holy moly. Anyway. So, and then they say, during this Pride Month, we would like bulletin readers to understand that the visible representation and meaningful participation of queer people matters for nuclear policy outcomes. It doesn't. (laughs) Discrimination against queer people can undermine nuclear security and increase nuclear risk. And queer theory can help change how nuclear practitioners, experts, and the public think about nuclear weapons. What is queer theory? Uh, Viewing everything through the lens of sex, like sexual relations, not... Okay. Biological sex, yeah. like, like what's I don't I don't. It has nothing to do. I with literally nuclear like weapons. I, I can't even. It fathom. objectively has nothing to do with nuclear weapons. Yeah. And anyone who wants to like, I mean, we probably don't have enough listeners for this to happen. But like, if anyone wants to twist my words and make it sound like I'm being, I don't know, derogatory towards LGBTQ, I'm not at all. Live your life. But this is idiotic bullshit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Again, if you're good at your job, right on. I don't care who you have sex with, unless it's right. you know an animal or a child. Then right. you should probably then be you're burned a degenerate at the stake. weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Frankly, but like, yeah. Th- I mean, this is just—it's goofy. It's obviously goofy, and that's not hate to say that. That's objective reality that right. I'm pointing out. Right. And um, I don't know. Yeah. It's just another one of those hills to die on. Totally. Just, there's already three in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be. Well, I don't know if this is a hill to die <laughs> okay, on, all right. but it's just fucking hilarious. OK, so we'll just move on quickly from that because it's obviously idiotic. OK, so last. <laughs> last piece. It's so great. OK, so the headline in the TJF newsletter for this is I thought Sharia law was progressive. And mind you, Barry Weiss is like a traditional liberal. Okay. He is no. not a Republican. I don't think she's ever voted a Republican. She definitely doesn't like Donald Trump. Like she is she is a like old school proper like Bill Clinton liberal. Okay. Which is like a fascist by progressive standards right, yeah, today. Exactly. But you know, whatever. The Overton window has shifted. But anyway, so that's a little context around these. Okay. So I'm gonna read from it. She says when the town of Hamtramp Michigan elected a Muslim majority city oh gosh, council. I saw this story. Progre- <laughs> progressive celebrated. It was a rebuke to Donald J. Trump. They thought a new era of joy had come to Hamtramck. Right. I don't think I'm pronouncing that name correctly, but whatever. Honestly, I just want to quote the Guardian on what happened next. Okay, so this is, this is now a direct quote from the Guardian, which is also a left, yes, yeah. super left-leaning publication. Okay, so quote. This week, many of those same residents watched in dismay as a now fully Muslim and socially conservative city council passed legislation banning pride flags from being flown on city property Mm -hmm. that had, like many others being flown around the country, been intended to celebrate the LGBTQ plus community. Similar issues are happening in Maryland, where Muslim parents are strangely not caucusing with the progressivism on LGBTQIA2S plus issues, but instead with the dot 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 religious Christians. Yes. And then, yeah, and then she goes on to, you know, suggest some reading. And then she says, to my fellow liberals who are shocked by Hamtrak, I invite you to Google what happens to gay people in, well, pick a Muslim country, Iran or Egypt or Qatar or Pakistan. Progressives have tried to block these conversations, calling it pinkwashing, as in, sure, the U.S. and Israel won't hang you for homosexuality, but that doesn't make them any better than a country that does. 
And yet, and yet, it certainly does. <laughs> <laughs> to the Christian conservatives who have finally figured out that Muslims will be your best allies for decades to come, congratulations. <laughs> right. Good Lord. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. But, I don't know. Regarding the nuclear stuff, like, I saw Lindsey Graham giving a press conference talking about how if Russia, basically threatening Russia, saying that if Russia deploys a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine, that we will consider it an attack on NATO, which Ukraine is not a NATO member, right. but he says we will consider it an attack right. on NATO yeah. and we will bring the full force of NATO upon you, which means World War III, yep. which now has become this cliche and probably doesn't mean anything anymore, but like means a world war that the U.S. is involved in. And I don't want Russia to win necessarily, and I don't want the war to continue, and I don't want a nuclear weapon to be used, of course, but the fact that like a U.S. senator is going to make inflammatory remarks like that like yeah. a direct threat and promise to involve a country that in theory has no business being involved in this war there's no like binding article that would require our participation i mean we're funding and strategizing the entire thing so we, we are have no control of where it goes but right yeah, it's yeah. fucking crazy that is where like that's where the conversation on nuclear weapons should be, not about yeah. like whether the people who are making those decisions are gay or not, right? And then, and then this See, again, reality. To me, it's like if, <laughs> if a senator says something like that, that seems like means of just like instant removal. I mean, how would you feel? Like you're willing to drag our country into an unjustified global war? Right. Cool, you're not fit for office. You're a traitor. Well, and also like, <laughs> I'm going to go off on a tangent here that is total divergence from the hilarious things we just talked about. But, like, if the idea that, like, they're playing on people's emotions to maintain support for our funding of this war. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to people about it who support our efforts, it's an emotional response. A little bit strategic in that, like, well, we're going to diminish Russia's capabilities. So, you know, might as well have Ukrainians die while we do that instead of Americans. Sure, but we're also, like, literally, our military has issued reports saying that, like, we are low on, like, munitions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know if we have that much to spare, really. And you can make the same, you can make the reverse argument that, like, Russia and China are strategically draining down america's like ability to respond and china will be poised to attack at some right. point when we're weak and vulnerable yep um so it kind of goes both ways <laughs> like at least russia's allied with china which i think is probably pretty i would guess that their military isn't as competent as everyone thinks because right. if you look at like of their technologies and businesses they end up putting there's a lot of show and not a lot of follow-through so i would assume the military is the same way especially since it's even more closely controlled by the chinese communist party however they do have like a lot of ships and tanks and missiles and um they're not drawing any of that down right now they're only building more of it right um and who are we allied with nato who's the only one useless. that's <laughs> yeah the only one that has any impressive stockpile of anything is like poland and then there were articles a week ago where a bunch of leftists were like wow poland's like kind of fascist like, no <laughs> oh, shit yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> like, yeah they're super conservative yeah FYI. wait till you learn about turkey yeah <laughs> 
exactly. Or Ukraine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, how is it going to work out when we, if if Ukraine were to win, us, if we were to win this and it were to end, which I don't think it's ever going to fucking. The reality is, it has to be a total, like, victory, and not just like they decide Russia acquiesces and says like uncle, but like you completely destroy russia Mm -hmm. and set them back like a decade otherwise this shit is going to just fester and pick up again in a couple years like that's i mean that's what's been going on for decades like it's not one side has to be completely decimated or they need to come to some sort of agreement that everyone can like live with like concessions need to be made anyway i just now, I, I don't know. I would just went down like five rabbit holes. Yeah, so I don't even know yeah. where I am. But it's just, we don't need to be focused on sexual orientation in the context of nuclear weapons. I'm more worried about like provoking an actual nuclear war. Yeah. And those bombs kill people indiscriminately. So, yeah. It doesn't matter. You have sex. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the note we're ending this yeah. podcast? On? Happy Pride Month. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not, you know, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's just that we're so blinded with the stupidity of identity that it's just, you just have to ignore it. You got to tune it out and just be like, that literally doesn't matter. It doesn't. In the scheme of things. It doesn't. And I'm not like a Ron DeSantis, like, I'm going to go after corporations in an authoritarian way and, you know, have government overreach. Like, I don't, that's awful too. But, it's objectively obvious that confusing, I don't know, rational objectives with identity politics is dangerous. And also something that, like, it is pouring outside right now. What that sound is? Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah, what that sound is. Yeah, I think that's rain. Is. Wow. I don't think that's going to come through the audio, but it is absolutely dumping outside right now. Big storms. Anyway, God save us all. Yes. Or like Biden said the other day, God save the queen. <laughs> that was so funny. That was really funny. Oh my God. Man, just there's just been like banger after banger. Many. Biden saying God save the queen <laughs> when the queen is no longer with us. Uh, him basically pledging allegiance to the Indian national anthem. What did he do? What well, was were, that one? Well, he, they were playing like the Indian national anthem and he like, he like patriotically puts his hand to his heart. And then after about thirty seconds, you realize that he he like starts to recognize the earpiece was like put your hand yeah, down. Yeah, and then he just like slowly like starts like putting his hand down and just kind of like nonchalantly like. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! And then uh, just he was getting he walked up this like little tiny staircase to get into the into the air force, and he like he's like bent over <laughs> and he like gives this really awkward like wave, and then he kind of like. Trying to stabilize. Turns to the left and is just kind of like standing there hunched for like an awkward amount of time. <laughs> and then he just like shuffles into Air Force and you're like, what is going on? Oh, God. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. The God Save the Queen thing was hilarious. Gerard Baker at the yeah. Wall Street Journal. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who has a Wall Street Journal su- subscription should read his piece about it. And, it. and he makes a broader point that like, that's just emblematic of our confused foreign policy. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, like, we've inadvertently like made enemies of all the strategic partners that we really need yes. if we're headed to war with China and we're like exhausting ourselves on this. We need another Ukraine update. 
We soon. do. I think so. There's yeah. just so much. We do. <sighs> That's our best series. That is our best series. So yeah. we should continue on. Yeah. And uh, but honestly, I think we went over a lot of good stuff, and it was fun. And yeah, feels good to be back in it, the saddle. It does actually. <laughs> Dust off the mics and yeah, all that good stuff. Yep. Yep. Now we need to go get some food. Yeah, we do, and we need to go see Garber. Yes, we do. They play Garber. at eight. They play at eight, right? They do. All right. We got like 30 minutes, so we're going to peace out, Yikes. friends. We're going to go listen to some good local music, eat some food, pound some more beers. Yes. I might have broken a couple toes yesterday, <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to hobble gonna around. Cripple. I can't mosh or anything, but that's okay. I'll just stand in the back and drink. I was thinking about moshing, but maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, but, you know, I'll see what I can do. I was very close yeah. the last time yeah. we were there. It was it's, on the periphery. It's contagious because it's fun, and people are like, oh, it's scary. No, it's fun. No, it's not. It's pretty, like, yeah. You're going to get pushed. You're going to get shoved. I got just, like, the shitty end. I was so close. I I was close enough. I got, like, beer all over me. Yeah, yeah. You know, but not close enough to, like, throw punches. Yeah, yeah. Or not a punch. But elbows. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Uh, oh, no, Kat's doing it wrong. (laughs) Kat, don't hit people. Yeah. Sorry, Kat. This is a garbage concert, (laughs) not not the summer of love. (laughs) Yeah. Oh fucking a. Yeah. Cat right. cats in the mosh pit performing oh. peaceful protest. <laughs> uh. All right, we're going to go. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>